All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton. It is Thursday, so we are digging deeper into the Psalms these couple of days before Christmas. So this week we're going to look at Psalms 75, 76, and 77, continuing our stroll through the Psalms of Asaph. And all of these have some great meanings for us today, so let's get right into them. Psalm 75, to the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy, a song of Asaph, a song. So we get this Do Not Destroy again. We saw this a few weeks ago in a couple other psalms. This is the other one that has this tune that comes out to be translated as Do Not Destroy. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. At the set time that I will appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. I say to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak with haughty neck. For not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it to the dregs. But I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. So far, Psalm 75. It is the closeness, the nearness of the Lord that is what brings us into worship on a Sunday morning. It's what brings us before the judgment seat of Christ at the end. It is the closeness of his name. And he says, I have set a point, a time to have all the judgment done, period. And when the earth totters and all of its inhabitants quake, God says, it is I who holds everything together. And that is the important key part of Psalm 75. It is I who keeps steady its pillars. And he goes on. Not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. The people who are raised up in righteousness, it's not from the east, from like, Babylon or Persia or anything like that. It's not from the West, from like Greece and Rome and the other places in the sea. It's not even from the wilderness of Arabia in the South. But it is God who lifts up. It is God who executes judgment, putting one down and lifting up another. And then we have this wonderful point here that brings out a lot of what happens throughout Revelation, and so forth. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it to the dregs. If you're looking in the study by the Lutheran Study Bible, you see all kinds of cross-reference notes here, and it is absolutely wonderful. You see Job, you see other Psalms, you see Proverbs. And the one they don't have in here, surprisingly enough, is from Revelation, 
where you have the woman, the harlot on the beast that has caused all of her followers to drink from her cup, which is foaming. But it is not her cup that we need to worry about. I mean, we worry about that in this world today as we try to not fall into the temptations of this world. And that is what that cup symbolizes. But this is the cup of the judgment that comes directly from God. And we have this over and over again, where eventually it is given to those who decide they don't want God, and they have to drink it down to the very dregs, drink every last drop out of it. And they will receive every last drop of punishment that goes along with it. And this is the wonderfulness of it, of being near to Christ's name. I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. It is the righteousness that God gives to us that causes us to be lifted up, that causes us to not have to fear his wine foaming with all of the judgment and all of the scandals of this world because Jesus has already drunk that down to its dregs. He has taken every last bit of the punishment for us. And that is what gives Christians such great joy is that he has done it all for us. We don't have to fear this cup of wrath anymore. But again, this is the same cup that when he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying with sweaty drops of blood, he asks, Let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but thy will be done. And that is the important part. Is that yes, the human side of him, the side that does not want to die, didn't want to have to deal with it if there was another way. But... He also knew, he was also praying in the faith and in the knowledge that there was no other way for you and I to be saved. For our horns of salvation to be raised up, he had to drink that cup. And thanks be to Christ that he did, because now you and I have the ability to rejoice because we will be with him in heaven. We move on to Psalm 76. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm of Asaph, a song. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war. Glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into sleep. All the men of war were unable to use their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse lay stunned. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? From the heavens you uttered judgment, the earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. The remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirit of princes, who is to be feared by the kings of the earth. So far, Psalm 76. 
In Judah, God is known. Again, his name is great because he has established his abode in Jerusalem. Taking the shorter word Salem here. His dwelling place, his temple on Mount Zion. There he breaks all the weapons of war. There there is no war. There is only the joy of of being in the glory of God, the ability to worship him without fear. And Asaph goes on to talk about the stout-hearted being stripped of their spoil and all the men of war unable to use their hands. I mean, think about it for a minute. Warriors, especially in the day where you have swords and bows and arrows and axes and things like this, you need your hands. There's not really a way to wield a sword without your hand. And if you can't use your hand, you might as well just give up. And then we have verse 6. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse lay stunned. When I hear this, I immediately think of Exodus 14 and 15, where they cross the Red Sea, but it's... The Egyptian riders on their horses get stuck and get jumbled up in the middle, and they all get washed away when the sea returns to its natural form. And the Israelites saying, the horse and his rider got us thrown into the sea. They lay stunned. They lay in confusion because they don't know which way to go. And yes, We are to fear God, especially when his anger is roused. Because regardless of how great we think we are, one word from him can wipe out everything. Because one word from him brought everything into existence. And talks about the wrath of men. What is still there, still fighting against God. And what they do, the remnant will be left and will be nothing more than a belt for him to wear around his waist. And then he says in verse 11, as we get into this Christmas season and epiphany, let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared. He cuts off the spirit of princes who is to be feared by the kings of the earth. We think of Epiphany with the wise men bringing the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We think of the fear and the troubling that comes upon Herod the Great and all of Jerusalem when those same wise men came in the first place asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Those gifts, that fear, all going towards God because the gifts are being given to God in the flesh. The fear is God putting together and fulfilling everything that he has promised about the Messiah. And that's what troubles Herod, is that he knows that he is not that one, and now that one is in the world, which is why he seeks to kill him, to keep his power. But as we see, as we move into Psalm 77, even in the day of trouble, what troubles us when we don't understand the way things are going, when we don't see what God is doing in our lives or in the world, we still seek him. And that's the theme for Psalm 77. 
to the choir master, according to Jonathan, a psalm of Asaph. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your work, your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So far, Psalm 77. Again, another great psalm of Asaph that talks about the nearness of God and his interaction with his people. We have all kinds of imagery coming up here. We have imagery of the flood. We have imagery of the Red Sea very explicitly at the end. We have God doing his work to save his people, to be there involved in their lives. Therefore, Asaph can wonder, okay, in these bad times, in these times where things aren't going the way we think they ought to, has God turned his back on us? Has God forsaken us? Has his steadfast love finally come to an end? And Asaph knows, no, it hasn't. And we can go back to going through his wonders in all of history. We can go back to the flood and saving Noah and his family. We can go to the Exodus and leading his people through the Red Sea, <clears throat> keeping them safe from those who would re-enslave them, <clears throat> giving them hope when everything looked to be bleak because they did cry out, to the Lord. They did, once they saw the sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army behind them, they were scared to death. And it is not uncommon, not unnecessary for that. So yes, we look to the promises that he has made in the past, knowing that he is faithful in all of them, looking at all of his wonders that he has done to fulfill his word, to protect his people knowing that even in our dark days, we can look to him. Because even in our darkest days, still, as we look back to Psalm 75 at the beginning, go back to verse 8 and that cup of foaming wine of wrath and judgment, we don't have to drink it. That makes every day even brighter because we have 
a Savior. We have one who forgives us. We have one who is the light in the darkness, which no darkness can overcome. That is the great joy of being in Christ. Because he does. Whether it's 1440 B.C. with the Exodus, whether it's 30 A.D. with the disciples, or even 2021 going into 2022 with his church, God still leads his people like a flock with people like Moses and Aaron, the people who we call pastor, who are shepherds to guide the flock, to be with them, to be Jesus for them in their time of need, that light, that brightness, so that we can see what is so great about this life, even in our dark days. All right, that's it for this week. We covered three psalms. Next week, we cover one because it is, again, one of the longest psalms. Not 119 yet because we'll spend several weeks on that, but still a lengthy psalm to be able to get to next week to finish off 2021. This is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you for being here to dig deeper into the scriptures with me. And I ask you to continue to dig deeper into the Psalms, as well as to be here for the confessional corner on Mondays as we continue to go through the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, learning what we believe, teach, and confess, and why it is so important. Because all of it is here to equip you to wrestle with the theology around you. Amen.